Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Today is the continuation of our series. Pastor Lindsay did a great job last week, didn't he? I love the analogy of the crew, the rowing crew, and how the, I like that swing, getting into swing. And he says he's looking for his team to be in swing unity. I thought, well, that's appropriate for praise and worship. We need to swing a little bit. Anyway, but it was just a powerful analogy. And I hope you really have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying through this time. We're talking about the extra mile, going the extra mile. Today's message is called Nothing But God's Best. Nothing But God's Best. And I, my subtitle is, now listen carefully, I'm not saying anything bad. The subtitle is The Big Ask. The Big Ask, okay? Get your big ask out of the way, okay? Big Ask. So that's what A-S-K, Big Ask. Okay, we're, we're, we're beginning with the story of Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It says this. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples in a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded them to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. I want to weave in another place in the New Testament, the epistle of, of Paul from the to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 3.20, most of you know this scripture Hopefully you know it by heart. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Everyone said Amen. So the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of the living God is able to shake you, shape you, and change you to everything God wants you to be. Lord, open the eyes of our heart today and help us to hear and see what you want to do in us, for us, and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking this month about the mindset of doing just enough. Just enough to get by versus the mentality of excellence and serve the Lord by serving others. Going the extra mile. Brothers and sisters in the body of Christ are supposed to be a priority, but we're also cautioned not to forget the outsiders. I love this verse in Colossians 4, verse 5 reminds us this. Paul writes, use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. It's about unsaved, lost people around you. 
Use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down, not cut them out in Jesus' name. Our whole thing is we're supposed to use our lives to serve other people where they are. Sir, my microphone is scraping my face right there. I'm trying to fix it a little bit. Otherwise, the director is going to be after me after church. Anyway, um, I believe the Lord wants me to challenge you today. Don't settle for less than what God intends. Don't ever settle for less than God's best than God's fullest, richest, most abundant blessing. Not just what you can see now, but what his word shapes inside of you. Don't settle for less than God's best. Say amen. amen. You know, as I was preparing for ministry as a younger man in the 80s, the Lord opened the door. When I first felt called to ministry, the door the Lord opened wasn't ministry. Uh, it wasn't even um, what I thought training for ministry was a job that I didn't necessarily want to do or want to have, but it turned out to be the training ground for ministry. Uh, I call it the school of the Holy Spirit. The job was the insurance business here in Ocala. I worked in a, a company called Independent Life out of Jacksonville, that big building in Jacksonville. I don't know what it is today. I think Wells Fargo building, but it was built as the Independent Life building back in 1976. And, uh, and was a big company here in the southeast. It was called a debit company. It meant that you, uh, I, I didn't just sit in an office and make calls on the phone. I went out every week, and Monday I had a certain route on the west side of Ocala, Monday morning and Monday afternoon. Every week I'd go out on the west side uh, of Broadway, and uh, that was my debit on Mondays. On Tuesdays, my debit was out um, in Martell, and the cotton plant, way out by Weck these days in that area. Anyway, so on and so forth. And so every day I was with different people. And back then, there was a generation of older people that, to, to, to those older folks, the insurance agent was kind of part of the family. You know, I would, a lot of people paid in cash back in those days. They didn't pay by check. And I would go collect their cash in an envelope on the porch or outside knock on the door and they'd come out and talk with me. And a lot of times, I, I, it, it was a proving ground for ministry. I got to be with people that needed conversation and needed interpretation. Some, some of the older people of that day uh, didn't even read and write very well. And I mean, I'm talking 30, 40 years ago now. And a lot of the older people of that day didn't read or write very well. And so I would help them sometimes open the mail and go through stuff and make sure they weren't getting scammed and ripped off. Um, God help us today with all the stuff going on. It's online. Anyway, um, it's just interesting because as the people, as I got to know people, um, many were clearly raised in the church. They, they had a relationship with the Lord. But it was interesting because they, they really didn't know certain things um, about standing in faith on the promises of God. And that's why it's so important that I want to say this to you today. You know, a lot of that generation was raised during the Depression. 
We don't have a lot of those folks left. Right now, my parents, my mom just turned 84 two weeks ago. My dad's about to be 85 in November. And they were born coming out of the Depression. Dad was born in 38. Mom was born in 39. And so we don't have a lot of the people that were children in that day or young people in that day. But I'm telling you, the Depression-era people, it affected everything they did, everything they thought. I mean... um, my wife's grandmother, we called her Nana Florence, that was uh, June's mother, um, she lived to be uh, in her 90s, right? And, uh, and she was quite blessed at the end of her life. Uh, her husband had taken care of her, and she was set up in a country club little community down in Sarasota, and she was just all blessed. But every time we'd go there, she would give us, like, newspapers full of coupons and most of them had expired and she'd give us plastic wear like like stuff that you'd get you know someone would come maybe delivered to your house or you get takeout food she'd save all those bins up and like load us down with bins and stuff that we just end up throwing away but it was that mindset that mindset of the people in that depression era that really had trouble uh, they, were, they were taught their whole lives about contentment with day-to-day survival. And I'm telling you this. Listen, gratitude is good. I'm, I, I am pro-gratitude. We need to be, have thankful hearts for every big thing and every little thing. Right? But the problem is that that generation, many of them were also conditioned not to bother such a great big God by asking for any big things in their lives. Survival was enough. And, and, and it kind of, um, they thought it was showed a lack of humility. Like, like if they believed for anything big, that it was somehow prideful. And a lot of people had that mentality. Anybody remember people like that? <clears throat> I mean, they're precious folks. <clears throat> but many in that generation believed there was something corrupt in dreaming big dreams for God. And I want to talk about the extra mile today in a different context. I want to talk about the extra mile in believing for yourself and your family. Because a lot of times you can believe better for somebody else's miracle than you can yours. You can believe for somebody else's healing, but you have trouble asking for yours. You can believe God for somebody else's blessing, But you have trouble believing for yours. And a lot of times that is wrapped in something spiritual that's deeply embedded in a mindset in the recesses of your own heart. I thought of John Mayer's song. Some of you don't know John Mayer, but John Mayer is one of my favorite artists. Uh, One of his old songs called No No Such Thing. And I thought of this part of the song. He says that he writes, and all of our parents, they're getting older. I wonder if they've wished for anything better while in their memories, tiny tragedies. They love to tell you, stay inside the lines, but something's better on the other side. Something's better sometimes over the line. We all have parameters. We all have stuff. Listen, life gets hard sometimes. How many know that? Life will... If you're not careful, you'll be going along really, really well, and life will hit you with some crazy thing and try to knock you down and knock you out and take you down and take your faith down with it. 
something out of the blue, something that hits you, something that hits somebody you love, and it, and it sends you reeling. It sends you reeling. What, are we, what is going on here? How can this be happening? Everybody, anybody ever been in those situations? Come on. I can't be the only one. And those are the moments we have to step up and believe for something better than we could actually even imagine or think. Sweet little old lady said to me on my debit those years ago, she called me insurance man. She said, insurance man, can you pray for me? I said, yes, ma'am. What do you want me to pray? She said, I just need, I just, she said, all I ask is God bless my little money. Just bless my little money. That's how she'd say it. Just pray for me. God will bless my little money. I said, okay, I'll do that. She said, I'm not asking for much. Just to make it through another week. And you know that sounds so humble, doesn't it? For a believer to say, pray for me that I can make it through another week. But a wise man once told me when I shared that story that that is the most selfish, prideful prayer you can ever pray. Why? Because it's hidden in religious piety. It's hidden, it's hidden in self-righteousness. It's as if you're saying what you are worthy of instead of what he's worthy of. Why do we pray in Jesus' name and not in the name of Sarah or in the name of Mary or in the name of, well, some people pray in that name. But anyway, uh, 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 Susie, okay. Why don't we pray in the name of Susie or in the name of Billy Bob? Because they're not righteous enough. But we pray in the name of Jesus because he is righteousness personified. And it no longer becomes about what we are worthy of with our sinful lives without him. But of our righteous lives because of him. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us on that cross. 2 Corinthians 5. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Become. Not have. Not visit. Not hold on to some righteousness. Not be righteous for a moment or a day or a week. We might become his righteousness. James 5 says that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I used to look at that when I first got saved and I was in a Calvinist type church that believed, you know, uh, that we need to constantly remind God how filthy we are and tell him all the time just how dirty. Lord, I, I can't approach you today because I'm so unworthy and I'm so, uh, I'm so filthy, God. I'm so filthy. I've messed up so... The Bible says when we, that we come boldly before the throne of grace not reminding him how filthy we are, but reminding him how righteous Jesus is and he took my place, he took your place and he is righteous and holy personified. My friends, if you're asking for blessings that only benefit yourself and your own little world, then who is going to help God's others? 
Somebody said one time, if you, if you think that God wants you to be poor and you give everything away, then you need all the help. How are you going to help somebody else if you're constantly going through stuff yourself, if you're always going through it? The Bible says we are heirs of the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is Genesis chapter 12, and it simply says this. God says this. I will bless you, and I will make your name great or give you influence, and you shall be a blessing. Everybody say this to me. Say, I am blessed to be a blessing. Say, we are blessed to be a blessing. See, there's a purpose in what God wants to do for you so we can do something through you. The problem is if we get this little religious, these little strangleholds and these little borders and barriers that God never put on us, but we put them on ourselves, we can sound so holy and righteous. Just bless... I just need, just bless my little money. That's all I need. Just, ble- just bless me to make it through another week. That's all I need, God. Sounds so pure. But it's not. That, the Bible calls that wickedness. That's like the, the, the parable of the talents. And the one that said, you know what? Let me just bury this one talent that I got. I'll stick it in the ground in a hole. And when the master comes back, I can just give it to him. Because otherwise, I might lose it. But the one that had the five talents, what did he do? He took it, utilized it, traded, made five more talents. Doesn't sound like much, does it? He got, he got 500 bucks. He, when the master came, he gave him $1,000. He multiplied twice. He got, he, and, and that, God said, the, the, Jesus talks about this and says, well done, good and faithful servant. The one that buried his talent was in wickedness and missed out on everything. My friends, you and I were born to glorify God. Every good thing we experience from God turns our spotlight on Him. The Bible says every good gift is from above, right? Coming down from the Father of lights and in there is no variation, neither shadow of turning, which means He doesn't change His mind. He doesn't go, you know what? Um, I don't feel like blessing today. I feel like I feel like doing something. Uh, uh, listen, no one that ever approached Jesus in faith ever left disappointed. No one. Lepers came. Lepers came and, sa- and, and threw themselves at Jesus' feet and said, we need your healing. And he said, go your way. Show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were all healed, all 10 of them. Now listen to what scripture says. One realized he was healed, came back, threw himself in worship at Jesus' feet and said, I just came to say thank you. And Jesus said, where are the other nine? He said, now you go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Their faith got them a healing, but one man with gratitude got the whole thing, got the whole enchilada, 
got the whole thing. He, he was made whole. Why? Because he was willing to see it through and gave praise to the one who did it. We need to believe God for the whole thing. <clears throat> you're born to glorify God. Every good thing shines the spell in him. That's why Jesus said, you're now the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Why? Because you're reflecting his light. It's not your light. You're reflecting his light and glorifying him. Glorifying your father which is in heaven. Right? Let your light so shine before men that they may see what you do, your works, and glorify your father which is in heaven. That's shine the spotlight on him. Now, even when you're going through a rough patch, you can point the light at what God can do, what God wants to do, and what he will do. My friends, how can you be generous with your life if you're always in lack? And I'm not talking about finances here. I'm talking about in, in anything that you're constantly a poor soul in and you, and, and you never have enough um, encouragement. You never have enough joy. You never have enough peace. In any area where you are in constant lack, you are not able to be generous with that because you don't have an overflow of abundance. That's why it's important that you're leaning into God. When you see these areas of your life where you're in constant struggle, bring those before the master and believe for the best. Ask him for the whole thing, not part of the breakthrough. Remember, the spirit of God stands with the dreamers. The Holy Spirit stands with the dreamers. What do I mean by that? Like Joseph, the son of Israel in the Old Testament, God stood with the dreamer and he ended up helping his whole family even though his own family, his brothers beat him down, left him for dead and sold him into slavery. But years later, he was the hero of the story. Acts chapter 2 says, in the last days God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And listen, it says, your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. God stands with the visionaries and the dreamers. Why? Because they see something spiritually. Visionary dreamers like blind Bartimaeus. You're, you're too quiet. Are you not used to first service, second service yet? <laughs> it's ironic, isn't it, that one of the great visionaries of the New Testament <clears throat> is a blind man named Bartimaeus. He sees something spiritually that most people don't see that have two good eyes. And I'll prove it to you from Scripture. Visionary dreamers like blind Bartimaeus dare to dream. They dare to have a vision even though they're sightless. A blind man could see with the eyes of his faith. Are you awake today? Are you all right? Then you need to respond better than you're responding today. A blind man could see with the eyes of his faith. This was a poor man. He was a be he's begging on the side of the road and he's blind. And every day he's out there and he's trying to just eke out an existence Beg, beg for enough money like you see people on the streets here all over Florida these days. <clears throat> see people on the side of the road begging, not going anywhere. 
when this noisy crowd passed by, Bart heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. That's what the word says. Bartimaeus heard a noise. And he said, what's the noise? They said, that's Jesus of Nazareth. Now, he must have already heard something about Jesus of Nazareth because he got all excited. He must have already heard that name because he responded in a way. The other people were like, woohoo, it's Jesus. It's a Jesus parade. Hey, Jesus, it's a great parade. Yay. But Bartimaeus, the Bible says he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth. Nat- yeah, it was easy for me to say. Nazareth. Thank you. All faith begins with hearing the word of God. Hearing something, right? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing Romans uh, 10, 17, 10, 19, whatever. Um, faith comes by hearing And the word hearing also describes understanding and understanding by the word of the Lord, by the word of God, by by God speaking, by what God's doing now. So he hears something. Faith comes by hearing. Everything, everything, every breakthrough that you're going to experience in your life is going to begin when you hear something. You hear, you hopefully, hopefully out of every message here, you hear something that connects with your spirit reverberates in you and, and builds a picture in you of something you're going to have lodged in your spirit for something that you need in a few days, weeks, months, or years. Okay? So everybody is in that kind of same boat, but we all have to be listening with a different mindset. Spiritual seeing always starts with listening for a now word to you. We were, we were, when we were singing the song a little while ago, I felt, uh, Pastor Chris got up here, Pastor Lindsay felt it, I felt the same thing, I almost got up when, 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 when the words, I don't even remember the last song we were singing, but we were singing something that God's, God can take care of you, you and your impossible situation now, right? And I wanted to get up and scream, that's for you, <clears throat> that's for you at home. That's for you. The problem is, if, if, you don't, if, you don't have, if you're not listening with, with your spirit, with your heart open, they say, ooh, that was for somebody. Boy, I wonder who that was for. Maybe you're not in an impossible situation this week, but I guarantee you somebody nearby you is. Somebody sitting near you right now or in your home right now is in a situation where if God doesn't move, they're going down for the count. And something's going down in flames. But our God, He's not only able, He's willing. Opportunity always begins with hearing something that goes off in your spirit. Boom! A rhema word, we call it, a rhema, a now word. That's something from what you're reading in the Bible today or tomorrow, something you're listening to goes off inside of you and you say, wait a minute, that's for me. That's my word. Now you mix it with faith. Bartimaeus began, he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth and he started crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
I need mercy is what I need. I need mercy, Lord. And what happened right away? By the way, as he proclaimed that loudly, we call that prayer. He's not just screaming. He's praying. Jesus, I need your help. I need mercy in this situation. I need you. What happens right away? The religious crowd warned him to be quiet. In fact, the, the, the scriptures almost make it, it's, it's like a threatening. They warned him. Dude, you better shut your mouth. You're making the rest of us look bad. We're just here for a little Jesus parade. Just clap your hands and just smile like everybody else and you're good. <clears throat> but you're drawing attention to yourself right here from the master and, and it's not right. You're making us look bad. So, of course, we know that there are some who follow their religious traditions more than they follow Jesus Christ. The shh crowd. My Presbyterian church growing up, I love the Presbyterians, but growing up, if, if anybody ever would have said a hallelujah or an amen out loud in our church, <clears throat> besides the preacher, somebody would have shh. We need to hear the pipe organ. I thought every Sunday we went to Jesus' funeral. I didn't know. I, I, I thought we were just honoring the dead every Sunday. I didn't know he was alive until I was 19 years old. And I go, if you're alive, this is the time I need to know that. How many believe you, know, you, you can relate with that? <clears throat> There's a moment in your life when life is knocking you down and you say, hey, I need more than just to go to a nice little service where, the, where, the, where we have a funeral dirge playing for the rest of us. Just as I am without one flea. We need the Holy Spirit's power more than the religious traditions of men. <clears throat> Jesus said you make the word of God powerless by your tradition. Faith is believing in your heart and declaring something out of your mouth. So Bartimaeus, when they said, pipe down, you blindy, beggar, be quiet. Of course, he went and sat down by the side of the road and just piped right down. Is that what the Bible says? No, the Bible says he got louder. He cried out all the more, Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't, he didn't just toe the line. He stood out believing. He's praying. He's calling for God. Jesus, I need your mercy. And in one of the most astonishing verses in the whole Bible, the word says, Jesus stood still. In other words, in that moment when he cried out all the more and didn't cooperate with the traditions of men. In that exact moment, heaven paused. Heaven stopped for the one trying out. I know what your prayer life is like, but sometimes the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, Jesus shall be saved. 
And, and what happens is sometimes we still, we think our prayers. And we think that counts. We, I, think, I think my prayer, I think my prayer, I think my prayer. And, you're, and, you, and God knows your thoughts, but it ain't a prayer. It's still a thought. Until someone raises their voice and says out loud, Jesus, have mercy on me. I need your help. I need you. Suddenly, when heaven paused, the crowd changed their tune. And they started going, hey, hey, Jesus is calling you. The moment Jesus called for him to come, Jesus is calling for you. And verse 50 says this, and so throwing aside his garment, he rose up, came back to Jesus. Uh, I don't have time to go into this. I've, I've shared it many times before, over 33 years, I promise you. <clears throat> but this was more like a, like a parking vest. This is more like an orange vest if you're doing, helping people park their car or you're doing something in traffic, okay? He's wearing a coat that was his total security. Blind people had to get certified by the priest to be beggars. And they would get a little coat that says, I'm officially blind, like you have these... Uh, Officially, non-official uh, service animals. You know, anyway, I love animals. Anyway, let's go on. Um, <clears throat> it's my service squirrel. I have to be everywhere with my squirrel. Anyway, so they'd have to get this certification. And so he, this coat, this thing that was on him was the guarantee that every morning he would go out of his house and somebody would take him to his corner. And he'll go to his prescribed place, sit him down there. Okay, Bart, I'll be back at five. <clears throat> Pick you up and take you home. Without that coat, he might not get to the corner, which, means he, which meant he had no income, which meant he had no food, which meant he starved to death. If he took it off when he's there at work, which he's there that day, he might not get home. He didn't know where he's going. This is his security blanket. This is his, this is his permission. This is his permit. This is his certificate of occupancy. Sorry, I don't know why I said that. Anyway, this is, this, is, this is what he's looking for. This is what he needs. But the Bible says he didn't just get up and come to Jesus. The Bible makes it very clear. I know every word in the Bible is important. Stuff we read over all the time we don't even recognize. It says, throwing off his garment... He got up and went to Jesus. He, he went to Jesus throwing aside everything he was relying on, all of his security, all of his... He's leaving blindness on the curb. He literally is doing an action, a faith action. He's not just saying Jesus. He's now saying, when Jesus said, come here, bring him to me, he's like, okay. Whoop. And when he shows up, Jesus speaks to him and says, what do you want me to do for you? You know, one could assume that a blind man would want his vision back, right? If you saw somebody that had a need, you'd automatically think that's, the, that's what they're needing. That's what they're, that must be what they want. God never assumes. Hear me? He never assumes, and you can never presume that he assumes 
Or it doesn't resume. Anyway, no, no. Um, Prayer is you getting specific. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Or you ask amiss. Understand this miracle, like other blind people healed in the Bible, was going to glorify God. What do you want me to do for you? He could have said, I'm, I'm a beggar out here. I threw aside my coat. I need finances. I need, I need you to bless me and take care of me financially. That's what Jesus would have done. Because that's where, that's where God meets you at your point of faith, at your, what Pastor Lindsay described earlier, your expectation. What are you expecting? So Jesus, he says, what Bartimaeus says, to receive my sight. And Jesus spoke to him, go your way. Listen, your faith, your believing and speaking is what has made you well. So be it according to your faith, many times it says in Scripture. Your faith. Say my faith. faith. Understand this, my friends. Your hope, your expectation, and your knowledge of the promises of God's best are what access God working on your behalf. And if you're not crying out sometimes, then you might not be desperate enough. If you're not opening your mouth and telling somebody, here's what I'm asking God for. You don't have to tell everybody everything. I'm not saying that. But there are moments where you've got to say, you've got to give voice to what you heard. You heard it was Jesus and you heard he was a healer. Then go after the healer. When Jesus was confrontational, it was not with the people that were asking for the miracle. It was always with the Pharisees. Read Matthew 23 sometime. And if you think Jesus was just walking through, tiptoeing through the tulips for three and a half years of ministry, and just so sweet and kind to everybody, and just like the Pied Piper taking people through. No, no, no. You read Matthew 23. Jesus says, you blind vipers. He called the religious traditional crowd, you blind guides. You not only want in going through the doors of the kingdom of God, but you're going to block other people from going in. They block the way to the kingdom of God. The blind, Jesus called it the blind leading the blind. Finally this, the truth about faith is this. It's possible for you to limit a limitless God. It's possible for you to limit a limitless God. That means the opposite is also true. You can release his miraculous power by faith. How much power? What can he do? Now, here's the problem. In the room, there are people that are already master askers. And there are some people that would never presume upon God to ask for anything more than salvation. And the problem is when I preach this message, the wrong people usually hear it the wrong way. How many can ask for a lot sometimes? How many, how many, can, th- how many can think big things? How many are already, you'd say, I'm already a dreamer. I already think big dreams. I already think big dreams. I know a bunch of you really are that way, and that's great. But here's the truth. 
Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask and all that we can even think. Here's the kicker. But it's according to the power that works in us. What power is working in your life right now? What power has been working on your mind lately? What power has been working on your emotions lately? What power? Is it God's power or is it self-will, self-power, fleshly power? Or is it worldly corrupted power and the deception of darkness? What kind of power is working? Because when the power of the Holy Spirit is working, our God is able to top Anything you can dream, anything you can wish for, anything you can hope, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Maybe you weren't born and raised in the depression, but maybe you were conditioned as a child. Don't ask. Children are to be seen and not heard. And you've become the proverbial wallflower kind of hanging in the background. You know, you don't want to fellowship with people. You just kind of want to do your thing and just let everybody leave you alone. My friends, today is a day of deliverance. Today is a day to be set free from that power that is working in you and be revealed the power of the Holy Spirit that wants to work in you and for you and through you in the exceedingly abundantly above. The Holy Spirit is a difference maker. He quickens the word in your spirit. The takeaway for this week is simply this. Let's boldly ask God for big things this week. Let's ask him for the whole miracle. Let's be thankful for the partial that you got. There's another blind man in the Bible. Jesus prayed for him. uh, uh, Spit in his eyes. I've never spit in anybody's eyes. Still have people get mad at me. Jesus spit in this guy's eyes, made little mud balls. Boop. What do you see? The guy says, like Mr. Magoo, I I see, I see something. I see men as trees. I see shapes. You know what Jesus did? Prayed for him again. The son of God prayed for him again. And then the guy says, he said, what do you see now? He said, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. (laughs) Only people born in the depression remember that song. (laughs) Let's not be intimidated by religious traditions or opinions that we should settle for less than God's best. Let's break out of the conditions and the parameters that, that our life seems to give us. Knock you down again. Let's trust him. Not just for divine healing. How about trusting him for divine health? How about trusting him for the prevention? Let's pursue the exceedingly abundantly God. Would you better close your eyes as we finish? Father, thank you for your word today. We thank you for your spirit moving in us. Now we take authority in the name of Jesus over the religious traditions of men and we say, no, you have no power, you have no hold here. We invite only the Holy Spirit 
The only welcome spirit in our hearts and our lives and in our church is the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, would you come and widen us, liberate us, deliver us from evil of this age, set us free from all of the things that life has tried to condition us to believe for less. Help us to reset our hearts on the size of God and not the size of our problems. Just with your head bowed, your eyes closed right now, maybe you're watching at home, maybe you're in the room. I know what you went through this week, but I'm telling you this, God wants you to think differently. He wants you to, he wants you to renew your mind in his word, see his timing and his purpose. Like Pastor Lindsay said, he wants to see you to see yourself as part of that, that swing crew, that, that crew that gets in such unity, in unison and harmony, that everything is possible when we get together. And nothing is impossible to him who believes. What are you facing this week? Where are you feeling that wall? Where are you feeling that limitation? Where are, you, where are you even hesitating to believe God for the bigger dream, the bigger thought? Not just to get you out of this jam, but, but to set things right so it doesn't become jammed up again. Right now, all over this place, maybe you're here and your heart has been drifting from God. I invite you today to surrender your heart, to open up your life, to say, Jesus, come in and touch me and fill me with your spirit. If you're here today and you don't know him, maybe you're watching online and you don't, you haven't really, maybe you've asked Jesus in your heart, but for whatever reason, lately you've been drifting and you know it. This is the moment to hit the reset button by saying, Jesus, 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 have mercy on me. I need you in every area of my life. No limits, nothing off limits to you, God. Heal every part of my soul. If that's you, if you need prayer, would you just lift your hand up right now? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. I've got areas of my life that I just need God to work in right now. Just be honest about it. Many people. Father, I pray for everyone whose hand is raised, everyone whose heart is open. I pray for every situation, every circumstance, every blockage, every, everything that's been jammed up. And I pray for a miracle of healing and deliverance to the fullest. I pray the God of restoration to come and restore every area, spirit, soul, and body. And we dare to believe it because you said it in your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you get that today? Give God praise right now. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.